Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment, stick around. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yeah, the pun is totally intended. And now, here's your host, the Blind Jesus Freak himself, Mike Calvo. Welcome to the Blind Jesus Freak Podcast. I am the Blind Jesus Freak, and of course, I got another Jesus Freak with me here, Jamie Pauls. How you doing, man? I am excellent. Thank you very much. It's good to be right back here again doing this very same thing. I always enjoy it. When are you not excellent? You know, I can't remember the last time I was a little less than excellent yesterday as my wife and I were going to my parents' house and it was raining cats and dogs, as they say, and it was a rather chilly rain, I might add, and I had not worn a raincoat, so my excellent meter was down just a little bit there for a little while. Terrible, terrible things that happen in your life. Rain? Yeah, no doubt, man. It's terrible. I mean, (laughs) my goodness. Sad, isn't it? That were the biggest of my problems. I will say, though, I mean, I'm kidding, of course, when I say when is your bad day. Everybody has bad days. But I can honestly say, Jamie, that uh, every time I talk to you, you always have a smile. You sound like you have a smile for the most part. You always have a positive outlook. And uh, and it really is a, a wonderful time to just share with you and process through things with you because of that joy that you carry. And, yeah. and it certainly doesn't seem to me to be happiness as a, <laughs> a little Cuban lady. One day she says, you know, happiness is on what happens. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> joy, of course, is from the Lord. Right. You know, and we yeah. got so many comments, Jamie, on last week's podcast about friendship. That was great. It was yes, it was. It was a great podcast. Uh, short but sweet. And uh, some people might like it that way, but it went very, very well. Yeah. You know, so uh, this week as I prepared for the podcast, as I've said before, the Holy Spirit really didn't give me a message. And it's real scary sometimes because the day of the podcast comes up and and I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And then the Lord will impress upon me. I want you to talk about this or I want you to talk about that. And interestingly enough, today... The Lord just wants me to talk and just to share Mm -hmm. just about my life a little bit. You know, we build faith by the word of others' testimony. And I think that sometimes in Christian circles, Jamie, although you are full of joy all the time, and and I'm not knocking that, I think that it's almost become this 21st century requirement Mm -hmm. that if you don't always have joy, then you don't have Jesus because a walk with Jesus (laughs) is always joyful. And that's not what the Bible says. Right. Yeah. I mean, life happens, man. It does. And I think that there's a couple of things that happen in life that are, you know, as I walk with the Lord and and as I submit myself more because of circumstances, I think that many of us, we hear about salvation. When we get the revelation of salvation, we think, okay, I got salvation. Now it's going to be all, you know, all roses and, and it's going to be perfect. Or it's almost like, well, you know, my walk, my faith walk from here on out, uh, you know, I got that sin thing out of the way. It's going to be perfect from here. It's just up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And when I get to heaven, it's going to be like, God, here's my deeds and where's my reward? And yes, where's my mansion? Mm -hmm. And there's so much more that Christ calls us to. And I think it's not fair to talk about the joy of Jesus and that Jesus and the Holy Spirit give us without talking about the suffering of the believer as well. 
A few years ago, Jamie, I was in Uganda, and I've talked about this last week. I was there with Jackson at Prayer Mountain for a conference for World Trumpet Missions. And uh, and what this conference was about was uniting all these different countries, representatives from different countries, pastors and just lay people and just a bunch of different people to take over the world, to create an army to take over the world for Jesus not in a derogatory sense, but just to go out and preach the gospel and and that kind of thing. Sure. And during that very uplifting time, I was spoken over as an ambassador of the blind community. And I do believe that we are a nation, the blind Mm -hmm. community itself. We, We have a culture. It's no matter what, you know, when you meet a blind person from another place, you immediately have something in common, even though your languages may be different, your cultures may be different. Hey, we're blind, you know, and blind people got kind of blindy things that we do, and there is a culture to it. So yeah. I thought that was very interesting. And as I processed through, okay, so God, what is your purpose? God said, I, I have a special thing I'd like to do with my blind children in the end times. I think that the enemy has very systematically distracted the blind community from its purpose, from its God-directed purpose for many years by calling our blindness an affliction, and in many cases, an affliction from God. And while I do believe that blindness is not an easy gig, and I believe that blindness in itself is is a major inconvenience, but it's not something that is, you know, that you can't overcome and you can't surpass it. It does point out to me that our suffering in its many ways is very visible to the rest of the world. And part of our testimony is not this affliction, but how we deal with the suffering of a world that doesn't understand us that doesn't understand what we're capable of. In fact, for most of us, or many of us, dictates to us what we can and cannot do. I think that everybody suffers in the world, Christian or non-Christian, Muslim, whatever you are. I don't care if you're living by yourself on a desert island (laughs) with a soccer ball named Wilson. Right. You know, you're going to suffer because we are fallen humans, fallen man Mm -hmm. in a fallen world. And uh, when you get that together and you get together with other fallen people, you get a whole lot of fallout. (laughs) And so we're going to suffer. Now, I think about when I was a non-believer, when, uh, and we'll just say it the nice way, stuff just used to happen. (laughs) Uh The world has a say, stuff happens. And we're rated G here, so (laughs) we'll, we'll say stuff happens. But I used to really wonder why. Why? Why would this happen? Why would that happen? Now that I'm a Christian, now that I have the scripture to refer back to, there's a purpose in it. Not only a purpose, and it's not a purpose only for me. Christ said that you're going to do what I've done and more, for I go to the Father. And I think it's interesting that we create these hooping and hollering sessions about that. Oh yeah, I'm going to lay hands on the sick and I'm going to raise people from the dead. And I'm going to, yes, well, guess what? He hung on a tree. (laughs) Uh So if you're going to do what he did and more, then that means that we can begin by saying that there is a possibility that you are going to be tormented for the gospel. 
some way, somehow, in your flesh, you will be tormented for the gospel. I think that to tell people that God only has good gifts for his children is a half-truth at best. And that may be shocking to some people. But you're talking about a God who says, first of all, my ways are higher than your ways, which basically means you don't understand me and you never will. We're also talking about a God that to demonstrate his love hung his son on a tree. Now, I'm sorry, but I have five beautiful kids and Jamie, you are a great person. Your wife is a great lady and there are many, many wonderful listeners to this podcast. You know, heck, I've got a brother who's a wonderful brother, a sister who's a wonderful sister, a mother who's a wonderful mother, a dad who's a wonderful dad, and I'll be darned if I'm going to hang one of my kids on a tree for them. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? So God demonstrates to us that his version of love is not our version of love, but the scripture says that his love is perfect. So perfect in a way that maybe we don't even comprehend. Oh, no, most certainly we don't <laughs> comprehend it. And and I yeah. say these things because, you know, oh, my goodness, Jamie, I've been walking with the Lord almost 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Over the last year, my entire life has been shaken in such a way. And if you've been uh, following me on Facebook, uh, which my close friends do, I, I don't use Facebook all the time for kind of my public persona. I keep the people on Facebook are, are more kind of friends and and family type of thing. My musings (laughs) as I go through this valley, as I go through this process of purging that God has been putting me through and pruning over the last year, God has shaken every aspect of my life, everything from my marriage to my personal life to battling with drugs over the last Mm -hmm. year and a half dealing with the economy, dealing with interpersonal relationships, all kinds of challenges that in the midst of this, I found myself saying, God, did I really sign up for this? Hmm. Really? Yeah. And most certainly as I pray through this, as I read, as I seek the face of God in this circumstance, I most certainly did sign up for this because it's not just about salvation. It's about sanctification and holiness. I like that. And to be holy to means to be set apart. And unfortunately, God sets us apart by taking away all the things in our life that makes noise. I want everybody who's listening to my voice to think about the thing that you live for. Come on, be honest. Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it your children? Is it your job? What is it? What do you live for? What is it that you can think of right now that if God took it away, you would know what to do. I can tell you mine right now. It's my wife and kids, man. Mm. The irony of my life was I was out doing crazy stuff in Miami, having to do with drugs and things like that when I was younger, before I came to the Lord. I separated from my ex-wife. She started praying for me, unbeknownst to me. And then one day out of nowhere, I had this Damascus Road experience that you can listen to my reason for thanksgiving mm-hmm. is a podcast that's on my website and it goes over that whole damascus road kind of experience on a thanksgiving day when i met the lord and i met the lord <laughs> which is a blessing and a curse at the same time for me mm-hmm. because no matter what i can't deny that i met him 
I right. can't deny that it didn't happen. I didn't just go up there in the middle of some dude talking and and I was crying and oh I gotta go accept Jesus and no 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 I had a face to face or whatever mm-hmm. encounter with the Spirit of the Lord and I can never come back from that the same way again. Now the irony of that is that the moment that this woman found out <laughs> that I was saved, she promptly left me. Oh wow! I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> And then proceeded to take my kids and do whatever it was that she could do to make my life basically a living hell. Hmm. I kind of floated around for a couple of years in shock. I tried to reconcile. Didn't happen. And then I got together with my current wife, Alina, and God, I felt, gave me a second chance. We established a home. He blessed us with a child with not only one, but three beautiful children. Mm-hmm. But he just started with one, you know? Mm-hmm, so, right. Wow. Bless me with a business. I'm a drop out of high school. I've said that a gazillion times, but I can't say it enough because I'm so unqualified to do what I do. Mm. Bless me with a company. And yes, I, I understand that I have the gift of gab sometimes and, you know, and I can be quite engaging and all that stuff. And that is a God-given gift. And, and it was a God-given gift before I came to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it was never like this. And then I set out on a 15-year journey. When I was in the world, I may or may not have had more money than today. I really don't know. I think so at times. But it's not about money. I learned to value things like family, value things like the comfort of my wife, the blessing it is to get a call from a customer saying, this technology that your company brought changed my life. Mm. I was so thankful God gave me a purpose, a purpose that I would have never imagined. And there were weeds in my garden. Mm -hmm. I think that everybody has weeds in their garden and God would prune them and he would cut them back. And some of them, as I said before, anger was one of my big ones. That was beyond a weed. (laughs) That was a big one. Yeah. And um, that was one that created so much havoc and created such a mess in my life. And I don't know how much of what I'm dealing with today was directly attributed to my anger exclusively and the fallout from it, which anger is like a poison, y'all. I mean, that's just not something that is welcome in anybody's life, especially the Christian's life. But also the fact that a year ago, this hurricane, it started about a year and a half ago. I have a post up on the blog here on uh, MikeCalvo.com and on BlindJesusFreak.com is a friend with weed is a friend indeed? Mm -hmm. Question mark. (laughs) And it discusses how I basically was scammed by the enemy. And I mean that. And the cynics out there go, yeah, right. (laughs) Whatever. That's okay. Don't worry. It's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I was scammed by the enemy into partaking in medical cannabis for some time and ended up using it again recreationally and just zoning out just became a functional pothead mm-hmm. teaching Bible, dude. I mean, just amazing, crazy stuff. Right. And God started shaking that loose. And then in June of last year, my wife said, you know, I can't deal with your anger anymore. I don't want to be in this thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And over the last year, we've been working on trying to get this thing back together. And quite frankly, right now, what God has called me to do is to separate myself to him and focus on what it is to identify with Christ in our suffering. And 
suffering builds character. You know, I have learned so much throughout the last year. And the main thing is that God wants us dead. The only thing that you have to give to God is your life. And that's all he wants. He wants you to be a dead man. I've alluded to that on my Facebook page in the last couple of days. That that's the only thing we can give God is our death. Because in our death, then he can live in us and through us. That's amazing. I mean, it's a you know, powerful thought. It's a painful thought, but yet it's, a, I mean, if that's what God wants, then it's for our good. Well, when you look at people in the scripture, like Job, for example, here's Job. Even God said, Job's a righteous dude. I mean, here's a guy, and, and, and I have a teaching on Job. I believe that Job was a little bit out of line. My personal interpretation of the story of Job is that Job used to sacrifice for his children every morning just in case they sinned. And I think that there was a little bit of arrogance on Job's behalf there where he thought he was putting together some sort of a spiritual bank account. Right. Now, that's my interpretation, and I certainly am not going to minimize the rest of the story by saying, oh, he brought that on himself. I think that when we're in error or we're in sin, God turns up the heat just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's not one righteous one among us, not a one. So I guess that Job was righteous, well, as compared to, you know, whom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I think about, you know, if God had told Job, hey, Job, if you just hang in there, I got this deal going on with the devil right now. Just hang in there, man, and it's going to be okay. You know, everything that the enemy's going to take away, don't worry, I'm going to replace it, you know, tenfold. It would have been glorifying Job. Mm-hmm. But no, God chose to demonstrate, as Job said, naked I came into this world, naked I will leave it, that no matter what, that all Job really needed was God. Yeah. And that's what it takes. That's what he wants, dude. That's the key to it right there, is Jesus plus nothing is everything. Yeah, that's the takeaway right there, if nothing else is. That's it. You know, this is... a. Uh, a hard thing for me to share because it's personal. And this is part of being a blind Jesus freak. This is about saying, you know what, God, I'm really pissed off about what you're doing to me right now. I really am. And God's a big God. He can handle the word pissed off. (laughs) And if I could only say I was that polite sometimes. (laughs) But notice that Job and his friends spent 30 chapters <laughs> railing at God, including Job cursing the very day that he was born. Yeah. And God didn't hold it against Job. No. In fact, he held it against Job's friends because all Job's friends said is, hey, you know, if you've got negative things going on in your life, you must have some sort of secret sin. You must have something that God is punishing you for. And you know what? There is nothing, 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 nothing that we can do that hasn't been paid for. Mm. Nothing. Yeah. So those of you like myself who believed at one point, oh yeah, you know, God's grace is just kind of there to fill in the places where I haven't arrived yet. Dude, that is so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I was so stupid. I was so deceived because I didn't understand the magnitude, the size of the grace of God the immensity of the graciousness of God and the goodness and the love of God. Regardless of how my flesh says it doesn't understand it, it doesn't. But hey, there's a whole lot of things about God my flesh doesn't understand anyway, so that's all good. But there is a joy in the suffering because as we remove the noise, as God 
forces us to tear down the idols in our lives and say, God, all I have is you and all I need is you. You know, as a blind person, when I was younger, I went through life being told by people that were supposedly in charge what I could do, what I couldn't do. And when I couldn't do something or they wouldn't, my biggest question was why? 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 Do you know that the question why is an idol? I had never thought of that. It's not our job to ask why. When you ask why, it's because you require information. When you require information, it's because you lack trust. So to ask God why says, God, I don't trust you. And God has spoken and he didn't stutter. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You know, God didn't stutter when he said, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. God didn't stutter in Jeremiah one twelve when he said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. So you don't need to ask God why. Go look it up. Or better yet, meditate on it and watch the Holy Spirit bring it to your remembrance because the word of God is written on the heart of every man. Isn't it great that the word of God isn't just written on the heart of the saved? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's on the heart of every man. But it's moments like this that I find it so necessary to amongst the hooping and hollering in the 21st century Western gospel of, you know, I, I God wants me to have everything and God wants me to have a, you know, two cars in the garage and a, you know, $100,000 a year job. I think it's important that if we're going to be real, if we're going to talk about being Jesus freaks, if we're going to allow people to take a tour through our lives and know that, you know what, guys, I'm sitting on this side of the microphone because God said, sit there and talk about me. And it could just as easily be you or anybody else. I'm just a sinner saved by grace that God has taken and decided that he's going to put my sin on display yeah, and use me as an example, as a person who's broken and said, you know what? This is what I face. This is what I deal with. This is my life in all of its shambles. And look at what a glorious God I serve, that in spite of everything I do, in spite, and this is not false humility, it's just a matter of, hey, this is where I'm at, man, and I don't know what the next day brings, but I know that this journey that I'm on, its eventual goal is full restoration to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but between now and then, I don't know what it brings. I don't know how much suffering it's going to bring. And I don't, you know, hey, maybe the 15 years with my family is all the good I'm going to get after this side of salvation until I go home to Jesus. I don't know. But no matter what, I know I'm not going to be alone. Christ never said he's going to keep us from the suffering. He just said he'll be there with us through it. So God is with us. He will not forsake us. We said that last week. Nothing can separate us from his love. So even in the most difficult time that we find ourselves in, we know that, and you just said it, we are not alone. It's a powerful thought. No, we're not. That's the important thing because with some of the things I've been through in the last little while, the hardest thing when we build up an idol, you know, I love my wife very much, and I have, in many respects, made a total mess out of our relationship, quite frankly, because of my idolatry, because I was so thankful for what God gave me 
in a wife and a family that, you know, one of the questions I ask God is, God, where does love end and idolatry begin? And the answer that the Lord gave me is when you don't let me have it. You know, there's times throughout our lives where I've seen that God is dealing with my wife in a certain area, whatever that area may be. I'm certainly not here to expose anybody's sin or anything like that, but we're all sinners and God's always working on some part of our lives. So there's nothing new about him working on a part of hers. And I have interfered. I have gotten in God's way and been told not so gently, hey, you may be her husband, but that's my daughter. Yeah. And I will deal with my children when I will deal with my children. A pastor told me once, he said, Mikey, marriage is you walking with God your wife walking with God and both of you deciding to walk with God together. Notice that you walking together is optional. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So we're going to walk with God. And if you're interfering in God's walk with one of his other kids, he's not going to take to that too kindly. And he's going to deal with that and show you who you are, that you are not the savior of the world, that you are not the savior of your wife. God doesn't give us things. This is where where I've said it so many times in this podcast, and it is a mistake to say it that way because it is not given in the conventional sense of the word. The gift of salvation is yours. Mm -hmm. That's a free gift. That God gave you that, God's not going to take that away. Right. But everything else in your life, God has given it to you to steward over, to be a steward of. It's his. Kids are his. Wife, his possessions his instead of looking at the time that god for example heaven forbid you know somebody lose a child at a young age pick your age 5 10 15 20 whatever the years are that you lose a child it's not natural they say for a parent to bury their child it's just not the natural order of things but instead of cursing god for the years that that individual had left Wouldn't it be interesting to thank God for the years that he gave them to you? My, yeah, it would. And it would help you to deal with it in a whole different way. I mean, not only is it the right thing to do, but it would give you the perspective to keep going with your life that you would need. Well, when you start to understand and trust that God is going to bring things in and out of your life and they're going to be to serve his purpose and they're going to be for your good as well. I was 11 years old and I was flipping through radio stations down in Miami and I'll never forget, I listened to this preacher and he says, uh, and I was just tuning through on the radio and I'll never forget this. I'm 45 years old. And the guy was like, you know, Jesus requires us to hold on to things loosely because we never know when he's going to take it back because he owns it all. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Learn to hold on to everything loosely. The moment that you say, no, dad, you can't have it. That's an idol. And God is a jealous God. And you will put no gods or idols before me. And an idol isn't just something you bow down to. It's something that you hold in such high esteem that, you know, oh, you know, those people that put the plastic on the furniture. You can't sit on that furniture. (laughs) Yeah. You got to take your shoes off when you come and walk on our carpets. You know, you're putting all that stuff up on a pedestal and we do it to our wives. We do it to our husbands. We do it to our kids. We do it to our jobs. We do it to our possessions when all we need is Jesus. Everything else is optional. 
but Jesus is not. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And there's a book by that name, by the way. Jesus plus nothing is everything. All right. And I'm going to put some links in the show notes to a couple of different Audible books that I've been reading. I hope this encourages somebody. If you're going through a situation that is painful, that is trying you, that is stretching you, let me encourage you to press in. It's so hard, man, because you feel so alone. But you know, ultimately, I mean, just today on Memorial Day, I went out to, uh, I wasn't with the family. Mm-hmm. I was at, in my apartment. We're separated right now, and Lord willing, uh, we're separated for a season to try and kind of get our heads together, and divorce is not on the agenda. Good. So that's a good thing. But, you know, I went out to lunch with a friend, came home, started reading for a little while, went into prayer for a while, lay down, woke up around 3 a.m., prayed some more, read some more. My prayer buddy called me up around 6.30, prayed with him for a little while, went to the gym. And I can tell you that in the midst of this situation, God has turned up the heat so much in other areas of my life that it has burned out everything and just made me press into him. It's like the story of the lamb. You know when a a shepherd has a wayward lamb that wants to get away from the flock, you know what he does, Jamie? Breaks a leg, right? That's right. He breaks the leg. And the reason for that is so that then he has to carry the lamb everywhere. And Mm -hmm. that lamb has to count on him. He feeds it and takes care of it. And forever and ever and ever, after that lamb's leg is fixed, he'll never leave the shepherd. Maybe a lamb is smarter than me because uh, I know that I've left my shepherd aside a number of times. And unfortunately, I'm a human being. And before I go home, I'll probably do it again and again because I'm kind of wired that way. But I've never experienced the suffering. And I can honestly tell you that I don't know, man, maybe we Christians become masochists at some point. I don't know what it is, but I figure we're going to suffer. But when you suffer as a believer, when you suffer and it's God-ordained suffering, there's a purpose in it. And it's not only your purpose, but it's a purpose for those around you. Don't lie to people. You know, our churches encourage us to walk around and put on a great face. You know, have you ever had somebody terminally ill in the hospital? Yeah, sure have. Okay, so you went there and were they all tubed up or anything like that? Were they, you know, what was the... friend of mine had a lung removed at one point and ended up dying of cancer. So, yeah. So you went to go see him before he died? Yeah, like 24 hours before, actually. He was on his way out. So wait a minute. So you went to the hospital? Yes. So didn't he know better? than to keep them tubes in his nose? I mean, didn't they do anything to make you feel better? Didn't they make you feel at all comfortable with his potential death? Didn't they do anything to make you feel better? Not so much. Didn't they, no birds, <laughs> no flowers, no, nothing? No, I was on my own, man. See, that's what the church is like. You see, if you're in the church, chances are you're broken. You know, Ted Turner said, couple years back and so many christians got ticked off that christianity was a religion for losers and i think he was on to something he was on to something the devil tells me i'm a loser all the time i tell him yep you're absolutely right i am a loser and look (laughs) at what god does with losers (laughs) yeah that's the thing is the moment that we finally get to the point where we admit hey we we are losers but we're on the winning team now and you know what this church 
it's the hospital. And if somebody in that hospital happens to treat you badly, they're sick too. Yeah. Even though they may look fine on the outside, hey, just like the regular hospital, they could die tomorrow morning. Yep. Because they're in that hospital because they're sick, man. See, the world is sick. The world has a condition, and that condition is called sin. And some of us have gotten the memo and gone to the hospital, and our cure is underway, you know. But some of us have not. You know, but even those of us that have think that when we're in the hospital that, you know, it's just a matter of, okay, I'm going to pray the prayer and that's it. I'm cured. No, it's a lifelong process. And you're going to do yourself and everybody else around you. The next time somebody says, how you doing? Tell them the truth. Tell them, you know, God is really dealing with me right now. God is really working in my life. Not, oh, God's dragging me through the mud again. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about God is really dealing with me right now. He loves me so much that the creator of the universe is taking his time to deal with me one-on-one because he loves me so much and he cares so much that he wants to be personally involved in every aspect of my life. And he's going to take everything out of the way so that it's just him and me. Mm. That's the way he likes it. Yep. Amen? That's right. You and Jesus are everything. Yep. yep. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Yeah. That's powerful. Amen. We want to hear from you. We want to know uh, what you're going through, what we can pray with you, pray for you about. You know, We want you to drop us a line to info at blindjesusfreak.com. Follow us on Twitter at Blind Jesus Freak. Add us to your favorite podcast. I promise it's not always going to be this serious. <laughs> right, right. In fact, next week we got a surprise coming. All right. Yes, we do. I guess to kind of conclude my part of this study, the thing that I take away from everything that we've talked about tonight is that God is big enough to bring us through anything that we go through, that He wants what's best for us more than we do, but that he knows what's best for us better than we do. And so we have to trust him and learn, ask him to teach us and to guide us, but to be willing to let him direct our lives and not do it ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the moment that we try and take that driver's wheel, forget it. I mean, for me, it took 28 years of trying to do it myself. And then even after I became a believer. It's like, oh yeah, God, I got this. And that's not the way he wants it. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, hanging out with me tonight, uh, Jamie. I really appreciate your company. And next week, like I said, we got a surprise coming. Looking forward to that, definitely. Amen, amen. And we want to thank you, our faithful listeners, for your prayers, for your kind uh, emails, for your following us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And we do want to remind you that everybody is a freak about something. So be a freak about Jesus. See you next week. Thank you for checking out the Blind Jesus Freak podcast with your host, Mike Calvo, a podcast that focuses on living a Christ-centered life with a visual impairment. Even if you don't have a visual impairment and you made it this far, we see you stuck around. If you learned something, we invite you to ask 
add us to your favorite podcasting software and make us a part of your regular biblical studies. You might just be blessed by how the blind look at God's Word. Yes, the pun is totally intended, so stop being politically correct, and let's just relate to one another as God's kids. For more information about this ministry, visit us on the web at www.blindjesusfreak.com and learn how easy it is for you to connect with us and a bunch of other Jesus Freaks on your favorite social networks. Remember, everybody's a freak about something. Join us and be a freak about Jesus. After all, he's crazy about you.